Hello, my name is Samuel George London and welcome to Comics for the Apocalypse. On today's episode, I speak to comic book creator and really nice guy, Renton Hawkey, about what comics he would take into a super-intelligent ape uprising apocalypse. But before we get into it, I'd like to give a quick shout-out to our sponsor, Comic Scene, who will once again be hosting the online event I Love Comics on Saturday the 12th of February. And as this year they're celebrating 45 years of 2000 AD, Comic Scene are offering cash prizes for your drawings of Dread for their gallery. It can be a traditional picture or a reinterpretation of his uniform. Either way though, email your drawing to comicsceneuk at gmail.com by Tuesday the 8th of February, that's tomorrow if you're listening to it on uh, today, Monday, um, to enter the competition. So... You've got to be in it to win it, so make sure you get in there now. Uh, now, without further ado, on with the show. Hello, Renton Hawkey. How's it going? Hey, Sam. How are you doing? Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. It's been a uh, pretty full-on day um, of work. Uh, just, you know, so many emails and reports to write mm-hmm. and all that jazz, but uh, glad to be talking to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, the uh, the pleasure's all mine, it's all on this side of the table. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, well, uh, for anybody that hasn't come across you just yet, uh, what do you do in the world of comics? Uh, I'm an independent comic creator. Uh, I write, draw, uh, ink, color, letter, um, all of it. Uh, I would say, you know, I attempt to do several of those things. Some of them I'm better at than other things, of course. Um, but yeah, no, the... Uh, the, the distinction for me is just the fact that I do everything by myself. Um, I've uh, contributed a handful of short comics for, uh, you know, trade paperbacks or anthologies uh, run by friends. Um, but for the most part, uh, I just kind of go it on my own. Um, and I publish my own uh, web comic called Ronin Digital Express uh, over on Substack. Um, and so, yeah, that's uh, pretty, much, uh, pretty much me in a nutshell. Fantastic. And uh, where where can people find you online? Uh, so pretty easy to find me, uh, Rent and Hockey uh, on Twitter or Instagram. Those are probably the main uh, hubs. Uh, otherwise, the best way to like keep in touch uh, would be my newsletter uh, or, of course, Ronin Digital Express on Substack. Uh, if you Google just Rent and Hockey or Ronin Digital Express, there's not a whole lot of SEO competition for either of those things. So you should find yeah, it you've na- you've nailed it on on the USP yeah, front there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and there's like a link tree in my Twitter bio, so yeah, anything exactly. relevant is is going to be there. So yeah, no, I have a I've got a newsletter um, that I got. it's kind of like a process newsletter, and I do some not safe for work stuff there um so mm. you know it's a bit of a happy hour water cooler kind of place where i just talk about making comics and then and then yeah the the result of all of that pain that you read about there is is Rona digital express so. fantastic and of course all those links are in the show notes folks so uh, go check out rent's work um, on on Substack, Twitter, and and everywhere else. Um, but before we get into the main section of the podcast, um, what's the inspiration for Ronin Digital Express? So Ronin Digital Express is kind of a, a melange of uh, my love of like spaghetti westerns, uh, old black and white samurai movies like Kurosawa mm-hmm. type stuff. Uh, and then 90s anime, you know, Cowboy Bebop, Trigun, stuff like that. So throw all of that in a blender together, uh, and then out comes Ronin Digital Express. Uh, it's this, uh, it's a Western uh, about uh, a Ronin who's kind of like a man with no name, Clint Eastwood type. Uh, and the story really just kind of follows him through these episodic adventures. It's a little pulpy. Uh, details about him uh, and who he is, his background, his motives, and all that stuff are kind of slowly and implicitly revealed over time. Otherwise, you're just kind of following like a cool, you know, like I said, Clint Eastwood or Boba Fett type character uh, as he gets into, you know, he explores this world that he's in uh, and gets into these sort of episodic adventures. 
Nice, man. That's fantastic. And um, yeah, as you say, you're publishing that on the Substack now. So um, everybody, uh, go go subscribe <laughs> to, yeah, to Rent's uh, Substack. Yeah, hit the Excellent. heart when you read an episode. Leave me a comment. Uh, tell me you love it. Tell me you hate yeah. it. Whatever you want. Uh, the engagement makes, <laughs> makes the algorithm very happy. Exactly, man. Yeah. That's what it's about. That's yep. what it's about. Brilliant. Uh, now, uh, all of that aside, unfortunately, um, whilst uh, you've you've been busy uh, publishing on Substack, mm. uh, there's actually been a super intelligent ape uprising. Mm. Um, unfortunately, um, and uh, they're starting to take over um the the united states from coast to coast um and uh my my first question for you is what's your action plan for survival like so intelligent ape uprising planet of the apes kind of a thing straight up uh well i have to tell you that um being mauled by a chimpanzee is probably one of my biggest fears um sure. no, it, truly like in like you know this is not, yeah, this is not a bit like I they mean, they are very no. vicious violent animals and they kind of like if you research it it is yeah. absolutely brutal yeah yeah i mean <laughs> if you what they do. if you think about a chimp it, it seems like oh it's like a cute cuddly little monkey it's the size of a toddler i could take that out and it's like no a chimpanzee yeah. is just hundreds of pounds of brute strength their muscles are are mm-hmm. tightly coiled and thicker than than any human on the planet you could get pick your olympic athlete or mma fighter or whatever they would lose a fight to the average yeah. chimpanzee i mean they go for your eyes they totally. go for your fingers they go for your nose they go for your balls they go for yeah I mean, exactly man. they're br- yeah. so yeah that's like it's up there for me um as one of the things that you know I would rather not face. So this is a particularly rough apocalyptic scenario for me. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, w- I would say that my battle plan is probably my first, my first plan would be to commit suicide. Uh, if I'm being completely right. honest, like I just, <laughs> yeah, just check out, just check out. Just, <laughs> you know? yeah, no, yeah. We're not getting through this one. Uh, we're done. Um, so yeah, that would be probably plan one. If I was so overwhelmed with guilt, that I couldn't carry it out. Um, you know, failing that, uh, a high powered rifle with, uh, ammunition that's easy to find, uh, something that's easy to clean, uh, mm-hmm. and maintenance. Uh, and then, yeah, just always kind of save that final bullet for myself if I'm overwhelmed. Yeah. Straight up. Yeah. So just hunker, hunker down at home. I just, I want to, I want to start the podcast on a really positive note and, uh, I want people to know what an optimist I am. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you gotta, you gotta hope for the, hope for the best, but expect the worst, unfortunately, right. haven't you? Um, and, uh, yeah. So, so are we, are we at home in this scenario with your high powered, uh, rifle? Oh man. Um, I don't know. I kind of feel the strength in numbers thing is probably um, probably good for just about any situation I could think mm-hmm. of. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'd probably try to join up. But, um, yeah, I mean, yeah. If, if I had accidentally happened upon a group that started expressing yeah. cannibalistic tendencies and stuff, then, yeah, I'd be, mm-hmm. I'd be looking at my, my plan A again. Uh, you know, there are bad situations to end yeah. up in with other humans as well. Totally. Um, so let's let's imagine that you've uh, managed to find a group at a local Walmart mm. um, because everybody's just gone straight to the Walmart to to the weapons section. Yeah, America's church, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, you, you get chatting, trying to get to know everybody, and they uh, they ask um, you what what you do mm. um and you, you talk about comics mm. and things and they're, they're all intrigued and uh the first question that they ask you is what's the first comic you remember enjoying mm. it's i can't really put a finger on the exact issue um but i have kind of like an era of my life where i kind of came uh came into comics a little bit so i when i was um probably six seven um, my grandma had a long box of comic books that she had just picked up here and there, like at garage sales and stuff like that. Uh, so she had mm. like 
she had a ton of stuff from like you know the 60s the 70s a lot of like old marvel team up stuff um and then she had uh you know stuff from the 80s like you know when when batman started taking kind of a darker turn um and uh well into the 90s with you know Azrael, batman that whole saga and then you know like some of the clone saga from spider-man so she had a pretty decent um and then there was some indie books in there. There was like one Sandman book in there and there were a handful of like cool. Wildcats in there. So there were, yeah, there was a pretty good spread of stuff in there. Um, but they all were like, um, you know, she would have, if there was like a Batman mini series, like, uh, you know, Batman Gothic or something like that, um, she would have like two, three and five. So like she didn't have like one, you know, she didn't have like several chapters of it were missing. Um, and so that was kind of, I think that that is kind of what pulled me into comics is I really got hooked on the, mm. the sort of episodic nature of them. And um, you know, the fact that there was all these gaps in her collection so that I would read a comic and I'd be like, Oh, you know, what happens to Spider-Man with this clone situation? And I would try to like find mm. another comic in her collection, but it was from like four months later and all this stuff had changed that I'd missed. And I had to kind of use my imagination to fill in the gaps. And, and yeah, so I mean, a lot of those stories loom very large uh, and just kind of followed me. Cause I was always like, well, what happened? You know, like what, wh- how to, how to fill those details in. Um, but that was really, and then, you know, obviously the experience of like, seeing you know goofy 70s comics and then you know really dark 80s and 90s comics and it just kind of like oh well this is kind of you know i'm a little boy and i'm reading these like violent comics and i'm like uh <laughs> so it's just kind of like uh, <laughs> hardcore my, my parents are supposed to know that i have this yeah so there yeah it was a pretty it was a pretty good entry into comics and and yeah since then uh, i've just been hooked that's awesome, man. And so, so what what age were you when you kind of first discovered this treasure trove? <laughs> I had to be like, I, I maybe I don't have memories of being six, but it had to be like six, yeah. seven, eight, something in there. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Great. And so, at that point, um, were you drawing, trying to create your own stories, anything like that? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think I always, you know, a lot, most kids draw. Uh, so there wasn't anything yeah, to, sure. uh, unique about that. Um, I think that I, I, I didn't stop doing it though. So like once I was getting into like yeah. junior high and high school, you know, when I was supposed to be mm-hmm. taking notes, I was drawing pictures in the margins of the notebook. So, um, nice. and yeah, I would, I would try to make like my own characters, try to imagine my own characters and stuff like that. Um, great. So yeah. any, any that you remember, yeah, no, I had a, for a long time when I was in high school, I wanted to do, uh, you know, I was, I was really into like Mike Mignola at that time. So I really wanted to do right. like a, like a Dickensian vampire thing. Um, right. and, and so, yeah, I, I had a lot, I had like a whole mythology, uh, planned out for that, that I, and this was like, you know, this was going to be my game of Thrones. Um, but I, you know, I, I've since kind of drifted off the concept, uh, in my adult life. Um, and, but when I look back on it, cause I still have a lot of my files and stuff, um, mm-hmm. I, it would, I don't know. It's just funny to look back on someone who does not have any real conception of like what it takes to make a comic. Cause there, I mean, there's, yes. there, it's, there, there's 80 years of plot in here. Like, I'm just like, there's no, I can't live through, I cannot live to see the fruition of this if I started you know, when I was 12. <laughs> Magic. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, and and, that's, not uh, say, that's not to say any of it's good. I mean, most of it's nonsense, but it was, yeah. just, it was just very ambitious and, and impossible. So <laughs> Totally, man. Um, like, like all things when you're young, um, you think yeah. things can just magically happen. Well, but, I, uh, then you realize you've got to put in loads of time and effort um, and then you get responsibilities. And <laughs> Well, it was, it, what, I, what was really, really stupid of me was I thought about them in terms of like TV seasons. So I was like, oh, well... I like I you know Buffy the Vampire Slayer is like 22 episodes a season so if I want a season of this comic it's going to be mm. 22 story arcs and this was before I knew a story exactly. arc was like six issues and so I'm like I can do 10 seasons and I'll tell you 
and then all these spinoffs and it's like no you can't sorry kid <laughs> love it yeah. i love it well that's that's the uh brilliance of youth really yeah. um and uh, i mean you learn from it absolutely um, that's, yeah uh, that's the that's the good thing yeah um we all have and, to uh, we all have to have our our unachievable opus uh buried somewhere yeah. in the past for sure exactly man exactly that's amazing um and then uh obviously years later um you would uh come on to ronan digital express mm-hmm. so how long was that in the making before you started publishing yeah um well ronan digital express uh so i i started really even though i drew characters i kind of had a weird idea that what i would do is i would write comics but i would also design the characters uh but i didn't want to mm-hmm. i didn't want to draw comics so right um so in right around 2015 was when i was really like all right i'm i'm going to i'm going to make a run for it like i'm really going to do this for real like mm-hmm. i said i wanted to do it in like 2010 2011 but i didn't uh, you know i just sort of mm-hmm sat around and smoked cigarettes and played video games. Um, but <laughs> yeah, around 2015, I was really like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to get, I'm going to, I'm going to make a run for it. Um, and so I tried to find like, uh, other, other artists to collaborate with. And, you know, several of my early attempts at collaboration just fell through. Um, and yeah. so I, I just kind of got frustrated. And, and I think the thing that was really, the thing was distressing for me was that, um, and I'm sure this is relatable for a lot of people who are writers, um, Hmm. is just the loss of interest in the project over time as it fails to materialize, you know, like you, you spend so much time and energy and emotion really getting excited about an idea. And then, you know, you kind of hit reality with it and other people's schedules and other people's intentions and, you know, roadblocks from publishers or whatever it is. And it just, you know, it just, it, it robs you of your enjoyment of it. And, yeah. and so I was really frustrated with that. And I was like, you know, it wasn't really so much like, you know, collaboration. I hate collaborators. I hate art. You know, it was nothing like that, even though there are a lot of broken hearts, you know, around collaboration specifically, it was really just, I, I, I wanted to enjoy the creation of a comic from start to finish. And so I was like, you know, I have some artistic talent. I want to build on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, you know, now I've got some catching up to do on the art side. So I spent a couple of years learning how to do that. And Ronin Digital Express was really, um, it was just an idea that I had that was rooted in my interests, like, you know, spaghetti Westerns, Clint Eastwood, you know, Toshiro Mifune, uh, you know, all that. And that just kind of seemed like it was such an opportunity because those characters don't need a lot of maintenance. They just need to be cool, you know, and they can, and then you just drop them in a situation and that's what the conflict is. Uh, And so, yeah, it just kind of felt like that, that was an easy entry point where it was like okay here's a concept i can i can practice making comics with this concept uh and the stakes are pretty low um so yeah that makes it kind of sound maybe like i'm not so invested in it. i really am invested in it but um mm. you know i didn't want to start off doing the you know the game of thrones epic right like i, I wanted to like yeah, oh well, here's exactly. like here's something fun and i could I could pick it up yeah. and put it down over time and come back to it because it's just so open-ended as a concept. That was more the idea. Exactly. Exactly. And that's a, it's a good place to start because a lot, a lot of people will try to start with, with their Magnus Opus no doubt. and uh, it's, yeah, just don't do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Start off with something simple, straight to the point. Um, and then, yeah, have that, yeah. have that in your, in your, in the background. And- um, and it certainly, it certainly uh, could, I mean, it could become a magnum opus, like it, because it's so open-ended yeah. if I decided, yeah, right. you know, I really want to yeah. lean into this, then I could build out something big with it. But yeah, I mean, I think to your mm. point, uh, there's a lot, I mean, there are a lot of people who they start their magnum opus. I'm like, I'm not necessarily like, Hey, don't do that. But like, I do think that I do think people probably need to have an appreciation for like, you better know what you're committing to. I mean, the guy, I mean, you know, yeah. Robert uh Kirkman with Walking Dead like mm-hmm. he, I remember him mm-hmm. saying like oh I can do 300 issues of this and then he you, know, you can really feel around like 150 he's like ah like I'm getting kind of I want to do different yeah. stuff now you know and and then obviously there's also the the possibility that you die before you finish it like what happened with Berserk mm-hmm. so I mean you got to be careful yeah 100% man yeah 100% anyway um 
we're off yeah, of our, no. we're off of our simian revolution here a little bit my apologies <laughs> yeah a little bit i can uh i can i can hear um the kind of the soldiers the simian soldiers yeah um kind of forming outside yeah. the walmart i'm like well, um, hang, well, hang, getting... on, hang on let me talk about the clone saga a little bit more before we go out yeah there. exactly yeah. exactly <laughs> um so you just everybody just wants to distract themselves yeah. um from what's going on and so they, they ask their next question and that is what's the funniest comic that you've read uh i don't know about funniest comic but i, I do um the uh that i don't know what issue it's from but that thing that has become a meme the uh sauron and mm-hmm. spider-man uh scene where uh spider-man is sauron the uh you know mutant x-men character the pterodactyl man <laughs> yep 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 um and spider-man is like hey you know it, it dawns on me that you can um change dna with with this scientific method you develop so why don't you use it to like go cure cancer and Sauron is just like, uh, I don't want to cure cancer. I want to turn people into dinosaurs. Um, <laughs> As you <a> date. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I just, I, so I, I have that in a file on my phone. And I, I often respond to surreal real life situations I encounter online with it. Just because it's, you know, it's human nature, isn't it? I mean, yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's pretty. It is it's quite a... Um a statement, isn't it? Yeah. Um, just he just wants to turn people into dinosaurs. You know, screw screw cancer. Yeah, <laughs> patience. You know, can't make anybody do anything they don't want to do. You know, true that. True that. You can only lead a, uh, a horse to water. Yeah. You know, um, but yeah, they, <clears throat> that's a uh, fantastic one. Um, and then uh, changing gears a little bit. What's the saddest comic that you've read? Um, I was really affected by Russian Olive to Red King. I had a really hard time with that one. Um, right. Yeah. I think because it's, it's so for, I mean, anybody who hasn't read it, I think should, but it is kind of one of those comics where, you know, it, you chew on it a little bit as you're reading it. And then when you're done and you probably reread it a few times, it's, it's actually fairly, it's a fairly quick read. Um, it's, it's, it's a big book, but it's very um, minimalistic. Uh, there's not a lot of dialogue. Uh, a lot of what's going on is very implicit and subtle. Um, but yeah, just maybe to give context to anyone listening who hasn't read it, um, it's 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 a like a domestic drama, and it's about this guy who's a writer, and his wife is I think she's like a climate scientist or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so the book begins with her leaving to go into like the Alaskan wilderness to to do science, I guess. Um, and, and then what happens is that her plane crashes and the pilot dies in the plane crash. So she's kind of like on her own miles from civilization and trying to survive. Um, and that's just kind of going on in the background. What's the main focus is this guy who, you know, her husband, um, and just, you sort of follow him as he putters through his days, wondering when he's going to hear you know, what happened to her. And he starts to kind of give into um, this feeling that he's just been abandoned. Like she, she just left him um, and that she's never coming back. He's not really giving a whole lot of thought to like, did something bad happen? Uh, you know, he's starting to lean a little bit more towards like, she just left and she's ghosted me. Right. Um, and there's like some subplots going on here and there. Like he's a writer. So, you know, his editor keeps calling him like, when are you going to turn in the article? And, uh, he's got, you know, their dog is there, um, and he, he has to like walk the dog and feed the dog. And it's something he just really seems to resent doing. And, mm-hmm. you know, the dog wants to play with him and the dog is trying to be affectionate with him and he's pushing the dog away. And, and it's just, you really kind of start to feel like this guy is, why am I following this guy? You know what I mean? Like this guy's just yeah. kind of a selfish jerk. Right. So yeah. the back third of the uh of the graphic novel is an essay um right and so it's an essay uh, of pretty you know it's of the quality of something you would read in like the atlantic or the new yorker or something like that um Mm -hmm. and it's i the implication is this is the essay that his editor has been bugging him about um and it's this big long essay about some of the personal tragedies in his life and i think that you know he's got 
like a like a thing going on with his, his dad having been abandoned by his father or something and um you really kind of this is like the missing piece right like these are the missing details mm. where you're like oh this is why he is exactly. the way he is right and yeah exactly and Catherine Eminen uh I mean boy do I wish I could write like that I mean the the way she mm. wrote that is just so it really you I you feel you start to feel kind of bad for for being hard on him um because he's yeah. he's really pouring Fair. his soul out for you and then the final image is um the final image is he's standing in front of a warehouse uh, with all these broken windows and there's like a pile of rocks next to him. Right. So he's like breaking windows. And the thing that's, the thing that's amazing is the dog is there. So he's, he's been spending like the whole story pushing away the dog. Right. And then, but but the dog is his only companion in the end here as he's working out his frustrations. And that just, I mean, even just saying it, I got chills. Right. I mean, and, yeah explaining it definitely doesn't do it justice i think people should read it but no 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 yeah i I can sense how powerful that is and uh it's definitely one that i'm going to add to my reading list because i i haven't read it well Stuart, Um, i I mean the the eminens i mean they're great like Stuart eminent obviously uh, you know an artist second to none um and very mm-hmm. well known for his work on you know marvel projects and spider-man and such but yeah. but i i feel like people sleep on Catherine as a writer i mean she is just yeah she's got something amazing that's fantastic um so yeah no that's that's definitely added to my to my reading list yeah. um certainly sounds uh powerful and uh yeah um very very affecting <laughs> as well yeah by the sounds of it it's, it was a little um, polarizing too because there were a lot of people that felt right. I, th- I think they didn't really respond to the minimalism and they were like oh i just didn't feel like uh, anything happened and so it'll be interesting yeah. you'll, you'll have to let me know how you felt after you read it yeah for sure um i mean that that can often be the case can't it if people don't take their time over the over the artwork particularly when it doesn't have speech bubbles and things um you really have to try and once you see a page and it doesn't have any um speech bubbles on mm. really got to try and slow yourself down yeah don't just like scan it right and then skip onto the next page really try and look at the detail um and see what the storytellers are trying to say yeah. <laughs> basically i guess cuz it cuz there's no if there's dialogue in the rest of the of the comic then they're clearly trying to say something so right um yeah i mean it's a two-way street of course you know the the storyteller has to kind of engage the the reader but you yeah know, you as a reader also have a responsibility yeah to, to take your time over the artwork it, it helps to maybe have it because a lot of you know comics it's a very uh in terms of bandwidth, you know, you don't really have a lot of time mm-hmm. to establish a scene and establish characters and stuff. So you see a lot of, yeah. you know, people have to take shortcuts and there are little, you know, mm-hmm. heuristics and whatnot for, for doing this within a comic space versus a, te- a television show or something. But um, so I think that a lot of comic readers are kind of accustomed to that formula, even subconsciously. Yes. Um, and they, they right. almost need like a label on the cover of something like this. That's like, Hey, this one, yeah. you're going to need to chew on this one a little bit. So this is not yeah. quite the same. You'll get something out of it, but you need to approach it a little bit differently. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Definitely one of those slow burns for, yeah. uh, for a lot of people, perhaps. And you have to revisit it again and again, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, definitely. Fantastic. Um, now, uh, moving on to our next question, and that is what's the scariest comic that you've read? I'm going to take a slightly different approach and say uh, the impending blindness of Billy Scott by Zoe, uh, Zoe Thorogood. Uh, it just came out a couple of years ago. Um, did you get a chance to read that one? I haven't read that one yet. <laughs> that is on my uh, on my read list. I haven't actually bought the book yet either. Yeah, um, I've I've been meaning to to get around to that because um, Zoe just kind of like you know um, absolutely smashed it. Yeah. Um, in terms of raising her profile. Oh yeah. Through yeah. Twitter, um, and and obviously rightly so because uh, her artwork's fantastic and she's clearly a very. Uh, very competent storyteller yeah as well 
Um, yeah, so, and, uh, anybody who yeah. wants to do the uh, the seeming overnight success thing should definitely do a look back on on how she approached that because you're right, she really just yeah. kind of showed up and then was impossible to ignore, and in a good yeah. way. I don't that's maybe seems oh, yeah. backhanded, but I mean that as a compliment. No. But no, yeah. that's a, so the yeah the the book is about an artist uh, who is slowly losing her sight. She's trying to complete her life's work before she goes blind. And yeah, I mean like the book's alt the, the book's outlook outlook is fairly positive. Um yeah. that's not how I would respond to that kind of news. Um I would, no. I would <laughs> <laughs> it would be hard it would be hard to find the meaning in my life uh receiving that diagnosis. So um yeah. that that's a very frightening um pitch for me. Isn't it? Yeah, no, it's tough. Um and yeah, I do I do uh, wish that I'd um that I've would have managed to have got round to it, but um that is terrifying, um, that sort of thing. And I'm sure it has happened at some point to somebody somewhere. Um that sort of thing. Um but uh, it's great that she's able to kind of put a positive spin on it. Yeah. Um yeah. Um, but yeah, you, you, you're definitely scared of that ever happening to yourself. <laughs> yeah, no, I, there was definitely in my relationship with that work, um, as I'm reading it and I'm approaching the end and there's all these like human affirmations and stuff. I'm, I'm just, my personality is such that I'm just like, nope, nope. It would be the end of the world. No, despair, despair. I refuse. <laughs> oh, we should have, we should have made that your apocalypse. Yeah. Losing my sight. Yeah, losing yeah. your sight. Yeah. yeah. Well, I would, so, I would, I would take the same, uh, the same plan in that, uh, in that apocalyptic scenario as well. So. Yeah. Bingo. Well, it all, it all ends up the same. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's your, it's your destiny. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, moving on to our next question, my favorite question, mm. and that is what is your favorite cover? I love Web of Spider Man number one. Um, that's the, uh, oh. I actually don't know the artist, which I should, but it's that. It's uh, Charles Vess. Yeah, so it's it's like a painting of, of of the symbiote Spider Man costume and he's he's like yeah. on a smoky building edifice or something. Mm-hmm. Um and I just I there's not really I don't have it hanging anywhere, but there's just a every time I see it it catches my eye. So Yeah. Yeah. Just him him uh him imposing himself on the city. Yeah, by the looks of it, he's I mean, kind of on the a, corner of a building with some gargoyles coming off of the corner. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of iconic, you know, symbiote Spider-Man covers, of course, but I, I think that's probably the mm. one that 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 clinches it for me. It stands out for you. Yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, it is quite eye-catching. Yeah, uh, definitely. And it's uh, yeah, nice, nice shows. And again, I mean, it's the the sym- symbiote uh, suit. Um, is uh obviously leans itself into using a lot of black space mm. of course but you have to be able to use it right and it looks like um charles definitely uses the uses that black space right yeah um particularly kind of because his his face kind of melts into his chest yeah but you still feel like there's definitely a change there um and uh yeah, and I mean, even looking at it more closely, so it almost looks as though you know the eyes on on the mask could be attached as fangs to the to the spider on the chest, mm. almost in a way. Yeah, um, yeah, that's, that's interesting. interesting. Yeah, no, that's uh, I, I, it's kind of it's kind of unfair in that like with character design, you know, I mean, there's, there's gotta be someone who has come up with like a, a formula or something that can explain why some things are just like aesthetically flawless, right? Like they're just, just perfect economy of design. And like, you know, a lot of superhero costumes particularly are like going for that, but like, you know, as iconic as the Batman costume is, there have been 10,000 iterations of it. It's a flawed costume. Yeah. Like there's always ways yeah. to innovate on it. You know, uh, same yeah. with like Wolverine, you know, Wolverine is not a perfect costume. Um, mm. 
Mm-hmm. But it's so it seems a little unfair that like the classic Spidey costume and then the symbiote Spidey costume are somehow these just perfect designs. Like they are just seamless. Yeah. Aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. It is. It's crazy uh, when you think about it. I mean, it doesn't change that much. No, really. they just, they nailed um, it the first time pretty much. And it's, yeah, yeah just and, straight out. And every time they try to do something yeah. different, they're like, oh, let's just, let's go back between. It. It's like the 747, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, like we nailed it the first time out with you know, the yeah. aeroplanes. Yeah. We haven't really innovated ever since. That's it's right. basically the same design. That's right. So, yeah. Yep. We tried Concord. It didn't sell. Yep. Yeah. The 747, <laughs> what, like the BMW. There's a handful of these yep. things that just, you know. Exactly. Oh, Porsche, Porsche 911. Yeah. yeah Porsche. Yep. And everything. Mm-hmm. Just like, yeah. Nailed it first time. Yep. Boom. Excellent, excellent. Uh, now, moving on to my uh, my other favorite question, mm. and that's what's the most meaningful comic to you? Aside from Russian Isle to Red King, because uh, I use that for another one, um, I probably mm. would say Daredevil, Man Without Fear, uh, the Frank Miller, uh, John mm-hmm. Romita Jr. miniseries um, that did, they retell the, the origin of Daredevil. I, everybody knows it. Um, but I think the reason yeah, why is... Right, right, um, right. Yeah. Uh, so I, I got it as it was coming out, um, in these single issues. Um, and like my parents would, you know, they just saw like, you know, I'd be like, Oh, can I buy this? And they'd be like, Oh yeah, it's a superhero comic. That's fine. They didn't bother inspecting the content. So (laughs) I kind (laughs) of got away with, yeah. So I kind of got away with like, you know, my first grown up superhero comic. Um, and, Mm -hmm. and yeah, I was just kind of, it, it's kind of like watching the wire for the first time, you know, it was just really, mm. really blew me away in terms of um, just the content of it, how gritty and, and kind of mature it was. Yeah. That's fantastic. And how old were you there? Sorry. Uh, that was probably around, I mean, what did that come out? Like 98. So I was probably 10 mm. ish. Right. Like that. Yeah. 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 So yeah. Very pretty young. Yeah. 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 But you were still a, clearly still able to appreciate the story. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, there are some moments in there that uh, that still stick with me as like uh, there's like that yeah. moment in the uh, in the climax where he's going to um, he's going to rescue this friend that he's made uh, this like you know thirteen fourteen year old girl or something who hangs around the gym that um, you know the famous gym that he hangs out at. Um, right. they've kind of become, you know, pals, uh, over the course of a couple issues and she gets kidnapped by, you know, one of Kingpin's human trafficking groups, um, and put in these, this warehouse full of these cells, full of these children destined for, you know, God knows what horrors. Um, yeah. and she knows that he, he's not daredevil yet, but she knows that he has like special powers. Right. Um, and so instead of screaming for help, she just starts singing and you know, daredevil is like a mile away, but he hears her singing. And then the other children start singing too. And the henchmen, you know, these like ponytail dummies carrying Uzis are like, Oh, they're singing. Um, but yeah. it's just, it's this haunting moment of like, it's just, it's such a superhero moment. You know what I mean? Where it's just like yeah. this beautiful moment that can't exist in anything else other than, a story where a kid gets smacked with radioactive acid and then suddenly has superhuman hearing. So I <laughs> love it. I just love it. That's awesome, man. Yeah, no, that is fantastic. And uh, yeah, no, it certainly makes you uh, want to aspire. It inspires you to aspire um, to become a great storyteller like that. Yeah. Well, and, and in, I mean, if you were handed an assignment that was just like, you know, Hey, do something interesting with like, I don't know. Um, stilt man or something <laughs> like if you're just kind yeah, of handed yeah. like a like a third rate character and you were this is, I, exactly. I get, you know tom king has kind of created a, a career out of this right now where right it's just like you know take this like third wheel character that nobody cares about anymore and do something interesting and, and just to find those mm. those beautiful moments yeah. like that um that can move people that that's what i would aspire to for sure 100 percent um and it is it's kind of about challenging yourself as a storyteller, isn't it? Um, oh, indeed. With something like that, and it, it, it might even be, you know, a good exercise for for aspiring storytellers to actually, you know, try and dig out 
an obscure character um, from from any work of fiction and try and yeah. make an interesting story out of it. <laughs> well, <laughs> and it would character. be well, and especially with superheroes, it's the kind of thing where it's like, hey, do something that would make someone who doesn't care about superheroes care about this. Plus, yeah. it you can't make them laugh. You know what I mean? Because it can't uh-huh. be a moment that just like falls on its face. Like it has to be, yeah. it has to be so good that even someone who's like not a superhero person is like, oh yeah, that's like that's really interesting. Yeah, totally. Yeah. That's it. Um, yeah, I might try that myself. <laughs> Actually, yeah, this is, a, is a nice little exercise. Just, just throw it on. Just a, like sh- just your, a short story. Yeah, just throw it on your to do list. Like you can knock that out. That's not a challenge. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever grow to do list. <laughs> what am mow I doing lawn, to myself? I'm, mow I, the lawn. I, you, uh, you know, exactly. make kids breakfast, and then move the human heart with superheroes. That's that's my to do. <laughs> yeah, it's like easy. Yeah. Done. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, I, just, I don't know why I keep on adding to it. It's silly, really. But uh, that's, uh, I guess it's human nature, isn't it? To well, want to just keep going and, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Accomplish. Must You have to distinguish yourself somehow. Yeah. I get it. That's it. I guess so. I guess so. Yeah. Uh, now, uh, we, we, going back to Walmart. Um, the, right, uh, there's, there's apes at the door. I keep forgetting. Right? Exactly. Yep. The ape army is almost broken down the doors. Yep. Um, and uh, the next question comes up in the uh, group circle, and that is, what's the most underrated comic? Underrated? Mm. Uh, there's a lot. I'm going to go... I'll go with something. I don't know if it's underrated, but I do think more people should know about it. Um, so there's a... There was a mini series, like a Wolverine Nick Fury mini series. Um, it was like three separate stories by different creative teams um, throughout, right. I think, like the mid '80s or something. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, it's collected in a trade paperback. Um, if you like Amazon Wolverine Nick Fury, uh, Scorpio uh, would be the thing to put in. Um, so yeah, Scorpio, and it's just like a trade paperback. Uh, so anyway, I would, I recommend this because, uh, and like most of it's not very good, um, uh, but the middle story, <laughs> that's, I'm just being honest, but the, uh, the yeah, middle, you, man. Yeah, 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 no offense to any of the people who are working on it, but, um, but the middle portion is some of John Bashima's best work in probably his entire career, in my opinion. Like, it's just, nice. it's like a Wolverine story. It's really moody, uh, and really kind of oh, dark colors and lots of shadows and it's just like i'm a fan of john bashima's work but a lot of it you know if, mm-hmm. you, if you get it in trade now like it, it kind of has lost its luster because it gets the digital recoloring and stuff like that but man this the just as like a work of pure comics um it's a good entry and then there's also like um there's an extended fight sequence between him and nick fury which like you know my mind i'm like wolverine nick fury can't fight but they do for many many pages and it's very interesting awesome. um yeah there's some other there's some other random stuff like there's a guy named shiv in it who looks kind of like wolverine but also charles bronson uh and he has like right. he has like single wolverine claws in his hands but they never mm. to my knowledge they never explain whether or not he has any kind of relationship to wolverine and he's never been in the comic sense so there's like all these like wow. weird little one-off things. It's just, it's just a very it's an interesting read. So I think people should. Well, there's your obscure character that you can uh, try and flesh out. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Make people care about Shiv. Um, I could probably yeah. yeah, I could draw. That's kind of in my wheelhouse, Charles Bronson. I could draw that. Bingo. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> You've got. I'm Let's on, get on it. You're onto something. Yeah. This is uh, good. <laughs> Awesome, man. That's uh, that's how great ideas start. Yeah, uh, isn't it? Just out of the blue. Um, fantastic. And then he was hired um, by Marvel. That's uh, yeah. Bingo <laughs> <laughs> for the got an for, idea for an for epic three hundred issue shiv. Yeah, they have to sit run. They have to wheel out whatever editor was working on that book in a wheelchair attached to uh, attached to oxygen, yeah, and he's just like, oh, I've been waiting for someone to do something with shiv. Everybody else is Finally. like, oh, that is. <laughs> brilliant brilliant uh now uh coming on to our penultimate question mm. and that is what comic would you recommend to a friend who's never read comics 
Uh, so I would usually the way I handle this is I try to get a sense of like what somebody likes. Uh, Cause you know, obviously, you know, we all know, we all have this challenge where we talk about what we do. We talk about comics and people are like, Oh, like superhero stuff. And you know, to do all the disclaimers, like, no, I don't want to do superhero yeah. stuff. There's other kinds of comics, blah, blah, blah. And so what I'll usually do is I'll try to just like be like, well, what kind of like movies do you like? What kind of books do you like? Uh, and I'll just, I'll, I'll find a comic that's within that genre. And then, yeah. you know, you can have a new experience. So that's usually kind of how I'll do it. Um, usually, usually the books that I will recommend um, most often um, I'll recommend like Tilly Walden books a lot. Um, cause I, you know, she's fantastic. Uh, and then she has just a lot of really accessible books. Uh, they're very modern in their sensibilities, good books mm -hmm. to just give people who have kind of an aversion to comics, uh, to give them an idea of like, you know, Hey, it's not all superheroes. Um, I'll also usually probably go towards European books, you know, European, the European comics market yeah. has a much more robust offering of like, you know, sort of genre books like Westerns or spy books or, you know, you know, romance books, things like that. So I usually kind of pick through, you know, what's been translated um, over there uh, for like American comics. Uh, I have recommended zero a lot. Uh, the Alish Cott book from a while back. Um, yeah. Not, you know, not so much as an endorsement of, Alish Cotter, or the rest of his bibliography, but I just think as a singular piece of work, the fact that it's like kind of a, you know, intellectual-ish spy story, uh, you know, a little postmodern, uh, there's a different artist on every issue. So it really is kind of whether you ultimately enjoy it or not, it's a good example of just like, well, hey, this is like a non-superhero comic that shows the flexibility of the medium and, and how artistic it can be. So it's just kind of a good, I think, case study slash entry piece uh, for people who, who don't have that experience of comics. So maybe if I had to, yeah, if I had to pick one, I would, I'd probably hone it down to zero, but depending on what people answer, you know, Tilly Walden yeah. or, or possibly some kind of a European comic. Exactly. Yeah, no, it's difficult. Um, without uh, knowing kind of what kind of genre of entertainment that they're into. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, but uh, zero, zero is a pretty good bet, I think, for for a lot of people. I think um, so, yeah. yeah. Definitely. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. uh, now, on to our last question, mm -hmm. uh, and that is, uh, if you could only take one comic into the apocalypse, which would it be? Uh, I would take Akira. Uh, I think that... Um because it's it's so big it's big yeah there's a lot to it artistically narratively it's it's just a peak it's it's peak come it's just it's the zenith of yeah. the form right i mean it's a i don't have to sell it to anybody anybody who has picked it up knows um but yeah i, I also just kind of think that there's a lot of novelty to it you know i could reread it over and mm -hmm. over and over again and probably get something new every time so yeah, that's the raw appreciation of I love the story, the art is good, and I could probably get new stuff out of it, uh, you know, with multiple rereads. Um, that would probably be my book. Um, if I could sneak in a second one, which I'm just I, I'm just going to jump in and say I can do that. I hope sure. you don't mind. Um, probably Jazz Maynard. Uh, it's a um, it's a one of the European books, um, which I think Lion Forge has been republishing them in trade paperback. Uh, so they should be pretty available, right. but it's, it's just like mm. a, you know, jazz trumpet musician hitman kind of a thing. And, uh, <laughs> Roger Ibanez is the artist and he's, he's one of, I, if I I'm, I'm, this is kind of embarrassing. I'm learning Spanish so I can meet him. That's how much wow. I, I like cool. that guy. Um, cause I want to just nice. be able to talk to him about, about his craft. And he's like, He's on Instagram. He posts like you know, once a year or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah, Jazz Maynard, uh, Roger Ibanez. You Google any of that stuff and, and you're going to be blown away. I just, just such a great work. Nice, man. That's awesome. Um, yeah, no, I, I like the idea of a jazz musician. He's a, um, he's a hit. 
hitman as well it's kind of, yeah it's um, kind of got like a like a steven soderbergh vibe to it uh right you know, got com- you sort of like a but also like spike spiegel from cowboy bebop it's it's it's, uh-huh. it's in that kind of you know that wheelhouse yeah a little bit yeah Nice man, excellent. Um, and then, along with that, uh, what weapon, tool, tool, or useful item would you like to take with you as well? Is this still the Simeon Apocalypse? Yeah, I will take the bomb from the end of Beneath the Planet of the Apes. How about that? Nice, yeah. boom. Just uh, I'll do it. Yeah, just take care of the nightmare <laughs> with one fell swoop. Yeah, man, straight yeah. up. Excellent. Um, yeah, no, that's the way forward. Perfect. Um, well, Renton Hawkey, thank you so much for sharing your comics with the apocalypse. It's been a real pleasure. Yeah, thank you, Sam. Uh, really, um, like I said at the beginning, the pleasure's on mine. I appreciate you having me on. Oh, no worries, man. And uh, for the listeners, one more time, where can they find you online? Uh, Twitter and Instagram are the main ones. Uh, otherwise, you know, the main thing that I want people to see uh, would be Ronin Digital Express. Uh, that's where most of whatever I'm whatever I'm doing that's interesting. It's not in tweets. It's in Ronin Digital Express. So uh, just Google that and give it a follow. Um, you know, comments are open. You can re- respond to the emails that go out. I uh, would love to hear what people think, uh, good, bad, or otherwise. Uh, and yeah. Pretty straightforward. Just Google Google me, find me on Twitter, Instagram, or Ronin Digital Express on Substack. Awesome, man. That's perfect. And again, there's links in the show notes, folks. And uh, yeah, again, Rent, it's been an absolute pleasure. And uh, hopefully our paths may cross in person one day uh, at Comic-Con, um, whether, whether it be on this side of the pond or, or yours. Yeah, I would love that. So yeah, that would be great. I mean, it's uh, kind of teasing me with the... Uh, the eventuality of the real world again. It's a it's a lovely idea yeah. to end on. <laughs> yeah, it would be nice, wouldn't it? It would be nice. Could we totally. go to a bar together it's coming. and drink beers <laughs> yeah. together? Could we do that? Do you want to do Muay Thai? Do you want to do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu together? What, what can yeah, we do? man. How close can we get to each other? All of it. Yeah. All of it, man. Yeah. All of it. That would be nice. We'll, we'll, we'll get there. We'll All get right, there man. eventually. All right, man. I'll hold you to Definitely. it. Definitely. Oh, t- yeah, totally, man. Uh, you can. Um, and uh, yeah, again, Red, thank you so much. And uh, yeah, I'll uh, just keep in touch. Yeah, we'll do. You as well. Thank you so much. Take care, man. You too. Bye. Thanks again to Rent for being on Comics for the Apocalypse. It was an absolute pleasure. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review for us on iTunes or whichever podcast service you use, as not only will it let me know that you liked it, but believe that it helps make other people aware of the show as well. If you'd like to check out Rent's work or follow him on social media, those links are in the show notes, along with all our own links to the various areas of the internet. Speaking of which, if you haven't already, be sure to visit Comic Scene's website at comicscene.org for comic news, the comic club, and other fun sequential art stuff. And finally, as long as the apocalypse doesn't come to pass in the next week, I'll see you next Monday. Bye for now.